pretty sharp. Whites men can descend at any time. We're in his land now. We better be. Because if not, you're wasting time I don't have. Welcome to Decrypted, Ars Technica's podcast devoted to the television that we're obsessed with. Right now, we're watching Westworld. I'm your host, Annalee Newitz. I'm the tech culture editor here at Ars Technica, and my guest this week is Jane McGonigal. She's a game designer, and she's also the author of two books, Reality is Broken and Super Better, both of which are about how you can take the lessons that you learn in game worlds and apply them to real life to basically make things better. She's an expert in how gaming and real life overlap, and not in a bad way. I really cannot wait to hear what she thinks about this week's episode. So let's just get started. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Annalie. I'm excited because my mind is kind of reeling and I need to talk about this. Yeah, I think we both need to talk about this. It's been a couple of action-packed episodes, but last night was really intense for a bunch of reasons. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, but I want to start with a scene at the end where we start getting into learning a little bit more about the man in black. Then at the funeral, I tried to console my daughter. She pushed me away, told me that my wife's death was no accident, that she killed herself because of me. And what his motivations are. And he reveals that he thinks that the maze, which he's looking for, and actually a a bunch of the robots are looking for too. But he thinks it's another game, or maybe not a game, created by Arnold, who may or may not be alive. In Ford's game, even if I go to the outer edges, you can't kill me. You can't even leave a lasting mark. But there's a deeper game here, Teddy. Arnold's game. And it's a game with consequences. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? What does that mean to you? As you know, the idea that Westworld is a game has been bothering me since the beginning of the series, because if it is a game, it's a really terribly designed game, because one of the most important elements of a good game is that your actions and choices have consequences. And the inability for the guests to be injured or really seem to suffer any negative consequences at all has made it more like playing a game with all the cheats turned on, you know, like in God mode. And it just seemed like not that great a game. And so I was really excited to hear the man in black echo what has been my feelings about this world as a sandbox for just having all the power you could possibly have over other people. And I'm excited that he is searching for a place where, as he said, his actions have consequences, even if it means ending his life. And it was interesting to hear him talk about being a god in the real world, because that's also what he was in the game world. So it's almost as if he's looking for an experience where he can truly be tested, where he is not all powerful. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he claims that the difference between his real world identity and his game identity is that in the real world, no one ever sees this man in black side of him, this bad guy side. And then he describes, I guess, just a year before after his wife dies, um, he he says, well, actually, you know, my daughter told me that Emily said that every day with me had been sheer terror. Any point I could blow up or collapse some 
Dark Star. Did you hurt them too? Never. They never saw anything like the man I am in here. But she knew anyway. Which doesn't really sound like he was doing a good job hiding his dark side. No, and I, I, I really, that made me excited too. This whole scene fixed a lot of issues that were really driving me crazy. Because one of the fundamental theories that I thought this show was presenting was that these kind of virtual worlds or game spaces are places where we can go act out fantasies that we would never do in real life. And the way they portray those fantasies, you know, obviously what you really wish you could do is kill people and hire prostitutes and ride horses, which is a pretty limited set of fantasies, I think. But a lot of people have that same kind of misperception about video gamers, right? That yeah. we just want to play video games or we can we can kill prostitutes in Grand Theft Auto and we can just shoot all the people we want in Call of Duty. And if you look at the psychology of games, it doesn't seem to be fantasy fulfillment is not a big aspect of it. It's more about the sense of mastery, of having agency, that you can try different strategies and see the full spectrum of how actions you take can affect the world around you. So I always say the big power fantasy of video games is is that you have power, but not that you're you're just trying to indulge these dark base human instincts and so i was glad to see the man in black this sort of false dichotomy that had been set up earlier in the series about how he's a great man in the real world he's a philanthropist and now he comes to westworld to be this bad guy because he has these deep base instincts he wants to satisfy it sounds like maybe he's a bad guy in the real world too and that would make me happy because i just I don't fundamentally believe that if a theme park like this existed or if virtual reality were sufficiently developed, that most of us would choose to spend this incredible playscape killing and torturing people. It just it makes me angry as a game designer, that that idea. So I think they're walking back from it, though. I think they are. And I mean, there's a very clear connection between what he has happened to him in his real life and what he does next in the game world, because he says, you know, his wife has killed herself. And then he gets this terrible revelation from his daughter. And then he immediately goes to Westworld and kills a woman and her daughter. And so it really feels like you said that this is him not acting out of fantasy at all, but this is really just kind of a part of his identity and his maybe his wife and daughter kind of knew. And it's, you know, he's the man in black everywhere. I wanted to also pick up on what you were saying about the fantasy of agency and mm-hmm. kind of how that's playing out in Westworld. Because I think you're right that a lot of it is just like we're seeing really kind of dumb fantasies that don't even really stack up to even contemporary video games now. Like these mm-hmm. are not, you know, sure, you can get a video game where you kill people and, and that's nice. And, you know, we did that in the 90s and stuff. But like, <laughs> you know, but now like you can play Mass Effect or, you know, some something that's a lot more narratively sophisticated. So do you think there's examples? Have you seen stuff in Westworld where you felt like, oh, Maybe that's what the other people are doing where they're, you know, maybe they're, they actually are having a more interesting engagement with this game world. There are glimpses of it with what Maeve is doing now where she's becoming a creator within yeah. the world, right? Where she's 
re-scripting character motivations and just reinventing the world around her to be in the image of the story that she would like to live. And I think that's a great example of maybe something more like Mass Effect, where you're really thinking about what kind of story do you want to be a part of and that the choices you make and the decisions you make for other characters really transforms the world. You know, there's been something about the loops and how they just endlessly repeat and it doesn't really seem to matter what anyone does within a loop. It sort of ends and resets very quickly that it's, I mean, what Maeve is doing is definitely a more advanced version of gameplay in that sense. She's one kind of gamer, basically, in this world at that, at that point. Yes. I'll need allies. And to get them, I'll need administrative privileges. Are you fucking kidding? We can't just give her control of other hosts. Oh, yes, you will, darling. Time to write my own fucking story. And by the way, I feel like everything that we're discussing could also possibly be totally terribly wrong in the sense that there's clearly some crazy twist that is coming that we are preparing ourselves for, but that it, everything we think we're saying may be totally wrong. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I want to put that disclaimer out there because yeah. I'm, still, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, I was going to say, like, I feel like William is a really interesting character because, you know, he says that this world is revealing to him who he really is, that maybe he first thought it was a place to come and be somebody different. But now he realizes it's a place to be the truest version of himself. And that seemed to be kind of a heroic person, although also more violent. But he seemed to be fueled by some sense of new meaning and heroic purpose. But if, as some fan theories suggest, he becomes the man in black in a different timeline, then I don't actually know what that says about him as a player. I was going to say that that I think that's kind of more indicative of contemporary video game players today, that you kind of go into these game worlds and you get to challenge yourself and see how you handle stress and see how creative a problem solver you can be and how effective you can be at managing resources. It's kind of like unlock these really interesting strengths that you have. And you, you play these games to really find out what you're good at and what you're capable of. And I thought William was kind of playing Westworld like that. But maybe if he becomes the man in black, then that theory is sadly wrong. Well, I don't know, because what he says about the game world kind of bringing out a side of himself that's real and true kind of echoes something that the man in black says early on, where he basically says, this is the place where I am, who, you know, where I where I am my real self and out there in the other world, I'm just this kind of fake guy. And so I think it's possible that if the mini timeline theory is true, which I have to admit, despite crapping all over that theory on previous episodes of the <laughs> show, I'm starting to come around and believe that that might be the case. I think what we're seeing is is a really interesting character arc. You know, he starts out as this inquisitive gamer who is trying to understand the world. And then he just becomes kind of animated by this one singular purpose. I mean, maybe he becomes one kind, he, be, he starts as one kind of gamer and then becomes another kind of gamer. When Kyle Orland was on, uh, he's our games editor at Ars Technica, he was talking about how he thought that the man in black was kind of your stereotypical gamer who's like going into the forums obsessively every night and talking about cheats and talking mm -hmm. about what he's learned. And like, he's like a super fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's right. I think, you know, he's been going so long. He's like the kind of player who's been playing the same game for so long, feels like he or she has fully reached the limits of what the designers intended. And now 
they're going to just push against every possible crack that they can find to see what else is possible in this universe. You know, what does the physics allow? What does the, the social universe allow? And I, I mean, I, I think that is a very much a, a super fan behavior and the idea that the man in black sort of accidentally discovered how to make the host more human by inflicting horrendous suffering on them, which does that make what he's doing kind of noble? He's maybe he's helping evolve the host somehow by being this super arch villain who does all the the most incredibly tortured things he can think of. I, so I think he's kind of like that super fan who's who's trying to push the limits of the game, who kind of takes over for the game designers in a way. And I always found this with my own games, with, with alternate reality games that I would design. Like at some point, your best players take over for you and start figuring out what they can do with the community and with what you've built that is kind of infinitely more interesting than you intended. So... With any good game, you hope that the players will eventually evolve beyond what you intended. And I think maybe it's like a, in that way, the the hosts are kind of a metaphor in that way, right? If you want the host to evolve intelligence and empathy and humanity beyond the code that you have built. And in a way, games evolve past their creators as well. That's super interesting. I also really liked what you said about the idea that maybe the man in black is inadvertently helping that process in this sadistic way. That's that's such an interesting idea. And of course, in this episode, I want to get back to the timelines thing in a second. But first, I was going to say, in this episode, we also find out that, yeah, the game really is modifying itself. Because now that we know that Bernard is a robot, now that mm-hmm. Bernard knows that Bernard is a robot, mm-hmm. it's re- it really is a self-modifying game. I mean, he has a piece of the game is writing another piece of the game. And so that division between the player and the author and the robots who are, I guess, part of the game, but also they've become authors and become players. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. My point is like the lines are super blurred. You know, it's really becoming quite complicated. It's like a a Rube Goldberg game. (laughs) Yes. Well, and you know, I want to, one thing I wanted to say was I feel I'm both really excited and, frustrated in that I feel like the the viewers of Westworld are playing a game that I didn't realize we needed to be playing. And I ha- I feel like I have to go back now and watch all of the episodes like a little more closely. I think the first game that we figured out we were supposed to be playing is who's a robot and who's not a robot. And right. I, you know, at first I wasn't really thinking that. And so I wasn't looking for clues. And now it's obvious. And now I'm looking for clues everywhere. And are the tech guys, Felix and Sylvester, actually robots because of how Felix was able to heal the gash, you know, in Sylvester's throat using that the bot technology. I'm like, we're playing that game now. The timeline game completely threw me. I mean, like, I basically woke up today and realized that that was a thing. Like, I've not been tracking that at all. I was like, it's just a normal viewer not hanging out in all of the fan sites and uh-huh. didn't even realize that this was going on. And then I'm like reading a recap and I'm like, what? What? I didn't know I was supposed to be playing the game of figuring out, you know, this incredibly complex structure. I thought they were telling me a story, you know, which they are. But I think I need to be a much more active part of that story in order to enjoy it. Because if you're not following these theories, this show is not like nearly as interesting. Like so much of what's interesting about it is subtext or 
the kind of hidden Easter eggs, which makes it, you know, like a game, right? And yes. so, but I didn't know I was supposed to be playing. So I have to go back and like replay from the beginning, the way sometimes you do in a game where you realize, oh, I should have been collecting this or I, you know, oh, I made that decision. And now my character is going to be a jerk. I have to go back. So what kind of made you suddenly realize that you should be more actively playing this show as a game? Was it something about the episode last night? Or was it just the fact that you finally kind of dipped your toe into some fan culture and were like, holy crap, there's all this stuff? Well, the the Man in Black speech gave me kind of that optimism to go stick my toe in the fan communities and yeah. see what people are talking about. And I've seen headlines where people are talking about all these crazy theories and, you know, it's it's more amazing than Lost and like all the possible realities. And I just intentionally did not look at any of that because I didn't want to be disappointed the way sometimes you kind of over project onto a TV series like um, True Detective, the yes. first season, and then we all over projected and it didn't turn out to be that amazing. So I was kind of like protecting myself from that. But I think it's pretty clear now, no, this show is quite deep and playing with us and our expectations and that we need to be active players. At this point, let's just play the game a little bit. So who Mm -hmm. do you think might be a robot at this point who hasn't already been revealed as a robot? Okay, well, I mean, first of all, everyone. I think, I think, I think it's possible that we're like occupying, I don't know, like the singularity version of reality where like everybody is a robot. I think that Ford could be a robot. I feel like everybody, I feel like that could be the furthest version of Mm -hmm. this story that I'm not, I'm not sure we've met anybody who could not plausibly be one. And I also think if the laboratory is the maze, which I think is kind of a theory, possibly, right? It's a very labyrinth-like building where you become kind of the god who controls the story and controls the characters. Oh, you that... mean the the, labor- the the Mesa facility, the building? Yeah. That's... Yeah, okay. Huh, that's yeah. an interesting interpretation. Yeah, okay. I mean, well, actually, let me take that back. Are there any players who are human? Right, like it's a man in black. Maybe he's the last human alive. Maybe man in black is like, the last human. The final player. Yeah, that's it. Final player. Okay, good. We've got, I think that's actually, I have not read that anywhere. So maybe we've just created an original theory for people to chew on. That's a Be good excited. Yeah. Well, I also <laughs> like the idea of the facility being the maze. I don't think I've read that anywhere, but yeah. I, have, I have not been assiduously reading all of the forums on Reddit. Unlike the show producers who are reading the forums mm-hmm. and posting hints and gifts and things, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, the showrunners, are actively courting fans in the forums by just chatting with them and answering their questions sometimes, which is pretty great and also annoying when you miss one of them. <laughs> so, so anyone could be a robot. And also, just as a little Easter egg, Future World, which was the sequel to the first Westworld movie, is in fact about how the theme park becomes a manufacturing facility for robots that will replace all of the world's leaders with robots mm. so, so that Delos can control the world, presumably. Mm. Um, so that is another thought that has been like lingering in my mind is that maybe that's the secret Delos project. And so maybe Man in Black is one of their targets because, of course, he's this incredibly uh, wealthy yeah. philanthropist who seems like he's spending a lot of his money to fund the park. 
So that's an interesting one. Okay, so then let's talk about the timeline because this has gotten really interesting to me. And I think in this episode, we finally got with Dolores's character, we finally got a real sense of where all these timelines might be coming from because we learn from Felix when Maeve is freaking out and she's like, what the hell? Why do I keep seeing this little girl? What's going on? And he says, well, your mind isn't like ours. When we remember things, the details are hazy, imperfect. But you recall memories perfectly. You relive them. So that explains why Dolores is hallucinating all the time, because she's Mm -hmm. remembering things. So, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to know what you think of this. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, timeline game. So Dolores and William, who could be the man in black, but we don't know, they go to the site that Ford has already marked out as being central to his new narrative, which has a Mm -hmm. buried church in it. And Dolores has been remembering that. So if they're already in a past timeline, if William is like young man in black, that means they're in a previous timeline and she's remembering an even earlier timeline because they get there, the church is buried, and she starts remembering something which we've seen in a previous episode was sort of the robot training facility. Yeah. So she and then she remembers this violent incident where it is it seems like she's murdered everyone and kills herself. Yes. Um, so so that's three timelines right, right there. Like that's Dolores's earliest memory. Mm-hmm. And then there's her possibly her memory of being there with William. And then there's whatever is going on in the present day with Ford deciding to unbury that location in the park. And of course, Arnold keeps telling everyone, find me, find me. And I guess it's at that location in the park. So that's three timelines. So what do you think? Are there more? Am I like, what am I... <laughs> What am I missing here? I mean, I think that's right. There's the opening of the park. There's the William story. There's the contemporary man in black story. And I think some people are kind of creating a half level timeline for Maeve's backstory. It's like right. kind of like old man in black versus new man in black. But man in black looks like the same age, like where he kills Maeve and her daughter. Right. And we find out that's only happened a year before current times. So, oh, we did find that out. Yeah, okay. they said that it was a year ago. <laughs> and there's uh, there's also a scene, it was a couple episodes ago, where Maeve says, you know, I've been the madam for 10 years. And Felix is like, no, no, that you haven't. You just started there last year. Uh, she, just like Bernard, right. she has these really intense life creating life-forming memories that are just totally fake uh, Ah. that they've implanted in her. Okay, Um, good. Good close reading here. Good. Then that's good. (laughs) But I'm so confused. I feel like, is it possible that Dolores is the super bad guy also? Like Wyatt, right? It's like the super bad guy. Yeah. We We have not met do they use pronouns? Have we heard any Wyatt pronouns? We know that Wyatt is a man. We actually did meet him very briefly uh. in a Teddy flashback, which I should say it's a Teddy flashback, which means that it was an implanted memory. So mm-hmm. I, I think we can trust that that's probably that the actor who plays Wyatt in that flashback is going to come back as Wyatt, but maybe not, you know, maybe there's a Wyatt that's been implanted in all of these guys' minds, but then there's well, like another layer, you know. Like, I just keep getting the feeling that Dolores is like more than Dolores, like Dolores is the r- robot version of Arnold or something, but I feel like she has 
some like there's more to her. There better it, be. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, I would hate for her to be just kind of this innocent, constantly manipulated lady. You know, all of the other robots that we meet have been on different stories. They remember previous stories that really have nothing to do with the story they're in now. And so they're, they've been looping, but they've been looping all different ways. And it really seems like if it's true that there's two timelines and we're seeing old Dolores and new Dolores, she's been on the same freaking right. loop for like right. 30 years. Right. That's a bummer. <laughs> and she's, she's like the oldest one, right, in the park. Isn't that yeah. what they said on the first episode? If she is on the same story, then it should be because she's somehow like special in some way. If everybody else is being kind of changed and repurposed, but she is some kind of original seminal character, maybe there's a reason why. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she may be at the center of a bunch of different narratives because we we know that they've had a bunch of different kinds of stories. But ultimately, Westworld is a Western and Mm -hmm. there's one central kind of thread that connects all the stories, which is cowboys versus Indians and war, different kinds of war on the frontier. Mm -hmm. So maybe she, yeah, maybe she kind of is central to every kind of story you can tell in that context. Um, Mm. Now, you know, you brought something up that I wanted to talk to you about, which is, you know, this is a Western, right? In the original Westworld, are there other theme parks with different themes? Yes. So there's Roman world and medieval world. And then, of course, later there's future world, which I guess Mm -hmm. is the sci-fi world. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when I watch this TV series, I get worried about the future of virtual reality a little bit. I mean, so I feel like I don't know that we're going to have flesh and blood, amazingly empathic robots that we play in a theme park with in the future, but we are going to have incredibly realistic and vivid virtual reality in the future where we can do things like the characters in Westworld do to robots that we could do that to virtual characters. And I am so nervous for the future of virtual reality that we're just going to build like Westerns and war games the same way we kind of did with video games. There's sort of been side flourishing of weird stuff, but so much of it is centered on this common theme. And I just thought, you know, if we can do anything, is that really the world we want to explore with just cowboys and outlaws and violence and that that particular fantasy is you sort of look at what people are most excited about in virtual reality. Now I keep seeing all these stories about how amazing it is to like pull a trigger on an actual gun that you can hold while you're shooting and crouching and running. And it's kind of freaking me out. I want to see like season two be set in vampire world or something. I just wish we could imagine a different fantasy because I feel like this is an influential moment in deciding what our virtual worlds should be. And I feel like the series could be influential in that way. It's true. And I mean, the thing that worries me is I feel like the series, as you said, I mean, it's playing a game with us. It's inviting us to kind of participate in thinking about the story. And I think it's also very critical of itself. It's a self-criticizing story because we see characters criticize the silliness of the narrative sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. the man in black will make jokes about how, you know, characters feel workshopped and things like that. Mm -hmm. But also, I think one of the real warnings in this story, and it's quite profound, 
is how telling certain stories is actually a form of injury. And we see this Western story, this generic Western story being told non-consensually with people, robots, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, don't, who don't know that it's a game and they don't know mm-hmm. it's a story. And it's, it harms them psychologically. It harms them physically. It kills them over and over. And it's kind of, you know, on one hand, you could say, well, this is a narrative that's glorifying violence. But it's also saying, look how this story is so destructive. I think that's right. And I've, I, it's why I've kept with the show. I feel like the format of the show, though, there's like an assumption. What do viewers want to see? You know, we want to see the orgies. We want to see graphic violence. I actually find the show very hard to watch. I really don't like seeing graphic violence. I especially don't like seeing graphic shooting because of the times that we live in where many people know people who have been shot and killed in senseless acts of violence. I do. And so I really don't enjoy the story of the show, the the story of Westworld as it is presented to viewers. And I keep fighting with, you know, are they deconstructing it? Is this like really smart and critical, which it is, but also aren't they saying they believe this is what people want to see? There are so many scenes of graphic violence and, and all these origins. They just feel like this is fundamentally what we want to escape to. And this is to me, the assumption that this is, a fantasy world that we actually want to inhabit is built into the way that the show is told. And it's not a fantasy that appeals to me. I just feel like at some level, they believe this is the stuff of our fantasies. Do you think I'm wrong about that? No, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, they make fun of Lee, who's the, who's the narrative designer and, Mm -hmm. you know, they keep making him look like an idiot and they make fun of his stories. But I think you're right. At the same time, it's clear that people are shelling out huge amounts of money to come to Westworld. It's something that people really want to do. I mean, I'm curious because you've worked on designing so many games that are intentionally pro-social as opposed to, you know, Westworld is a pretty anti-social game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's no opportunity in the game to do anything that's even remotely pro-social. I guess what I'm curious about is where do you think that Westworld as a game has kind of gone wrong? Like what are the places where it's really dystopian that you could imagine kind of tweaking or fixing to make it less of a kind of horrible gamescape? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the first thing that pops into my mind is that it feels like the only thing you can do in that world is destructive rather than constructive. And I think that the ability to leave a mark on the world, to change it in some way so that future players experience is different or that you can bring somebody back and show them what you've built would make it a much better game. I mean, if if you took the Minecraft generation into Westworld, they'd want to go out into the desert and build something and for people to be able to come back and visit it and to change the culture of Westworld. And I feel like almost every action you can take is basically destructive. I think that's maybe where some game design would, what can you construct in this world? What can you build? Yeah, it's weird because when you said that about Minecraft, I was like, yeah, why isn't anyone wanting to do that? Because wouldn't that be part of the fantasy is, oh, I can go build my dream house. You know, I I can, you know, I can finally have a giant pool full of elephants because it's Westworld. Or even some kind of ongoing relationship. I mean, you don't even get the sense that 
anybody intends to interact with these people, again, even though we know people come back multiple times, it's confusing to me how episodic this is. But like, I think if you could come back and have a relationship with these characters where they do remember you, if they remember you, it's not some glitch in the matrix and some, you know, broken feature, because I think that is constructive as well, building relationships with characters that are evolving. And it just reminds me of like really old NPC, like adventure game characters where they're going to say the same thing when you walk back into that store to check their inventory. And it's sort of not a space where you can build the relationship. What you're saying makes me think that maybe the most dystopian part of Westworld, other than the, the killing, is the loops. The fact yeah. that they're they are stuck in loops, but then that means any person who comes to visit is kind yeah. of stuck in a loop, too. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I mean, it makes you think if you were a player, really the only fun or joy would be just super testing the limits. Like, here are 20 actions that I could try to take to see what happens. Although all the scenes seem to basically end in the same way. Like, does everybody get shot by somebody? Is somebody different? But I would be trying to sort of assert some kind of will within this loop and see how, how crazy can we make it. But that's what Maeve is doing now. So she's fighting for team, like, play a better game right now. <laughs> so are William and Logan, his Logan, his evil brother-in-law right. or whatever. Right. Because they are actually playing a pretty interesting game they've kind of gone way way out into first they found an easter egg and now they're off on this like whole narrative that's quite different from what people are experiencing in Sweetwater well 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 Billy I've been looking for you for days man are you too fucked you know maybe there is a chance that there are people kind of at the edges of the game that are getting really interesting stories. But anyone who stays in Sweetwater is basically just shooting and having sex with hookers, mostly female hookers. Although we did finally get a scene where one of the female characters has sex with the Hector robot. Yes, finally. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They kind of threw us a bone there. Poor Hector. (laughs) There's one other thing I wanted to mention um, because I've been slightly critical of some aspects of the show, but something that has really amazed me about this show that I think is very gameful in its construction and design is that I've dreamt about Westworld after every episode I've watched, which I can't think of any other TV series that has really provoked my brain into believing that I need to try to process something that I've learned. And I think the way that Westworld has presented itself, that there are rules to how the world works, both the rules within the theme park, but also the rules of the technology and the rules of what you can do to the technology and how the the hosts get changed or shifted or put into storage, all, all the rules has provoked my brain into basically trying to resolve that learning and make sure I understand how the system works, which we know is very common with video games, that video games more than almost any other form of activity or certainly other art forms like movies or TV shows or books, it provokes the brain, the hippocampus into thinking that it has to cement what you've experienced into long-term memories, which is dreams help you do that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's pretty cool. Like that's pretty amazing that the TV series has, I think, kind of hijacked our brains in a way that games are usually capable of and more so than other media. 
I think that's been pretty neat. Yeah. And I think that goes back to your earlier point about the fact that what we're really being invited to do as viewers is play the show and learn more about the show and try to figure out all of the Easter eggs and all the different things that might be going on below the surface. So so yeah, I guess we'll find out soon who all the robots are <laughs> and where they are in time. So did you have any uh, final theories that you wanted to share with us about what's going on on the show? I think that the women are going to turn out to be definitely the heroes of this season, which is, I think, a way of kind of upending its Western nature. I think that the writers are definitely playing with subverting that, as we'll see Dolores and Maeve. And maybe, I don't know, what happened to... Have you heard from Elsie Hughes? I left word with her this morning to notify her about Teresa, but she never got back to me. I'm sure she's just enjoying her time off. She maybe she can come back and be a she's also. definitely out there. I mean, I think that they're definitely making sure that we don't forget <laughs> that she mm-hmm. went out there and then some hand grabbed her after she said, Arnold, is that you? And yeah, we're gonna have to find out who Arnold is. My final Arnold thought is that because we know the robots came to consciousness through this bicameral <laughs> mind nonsense, and that the bicameral mind means that you have another voice in your head kind of telling you what to do. Parts of me are quite old. There are some elegant, formal structures, a kind of recursive beauty, but complex, like two minds arguing with each other. I think Arnold is that voice, which means he's kind of in every one of the original robots. So it may not be that Arnold is one individual. He might be the voice in the minds of of all those first-generation robots like Dolores and Maeve and some of the other Mm. characters that we've met. So he may be a distributed intelligence, which is always exciting. I always like a distributed intelligence. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I also feel like that could be a nice metaphor for love in some weird way. You know, they say that if you really love somebody when they die, their personality or their consciousness kind of lives on as a program in your own mind that you can kind of continue to simulate conversations with them that are actually quite close to how that person might have responded. We we kind of become simulators of the people we love in our own imagination after they, they leave our lives. And so maybe Arnold is like love in that way, like the simulation that continues to run in the minds of all the characters that he helped create. Yeah, that he helped bring to life. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's finish this up with an incredibly frivolous question, mm-hmm. uh, which is, if you or your spouse were to sleep <laughs> with a robot, this is an important question. If they uh-huh. were, if you or, or your spouse were to sleep with a robot, would that be cheating or just gaming? <laughs> yeah, no, this is, uh, this is the hot topic for me and my girlfriends when we meet and talk about this show. And I will tell you, I had a long conversation with my husband about this as well. And I gave him firm instructions that I would prefer him to have sex with a person than with a robot because I would I would feel like he might have confusing emotions about having sex with a robot and like kind of existential distress over what did it mean if he had feelings for this encounter with something that wasn't real. And I just feel like that could be so distressing for him psychologically that I would rather he just have sex with a person. So I am not going to have sex with a flesh and blood robot. And I hope my husband doesn't either. Also, I mean, the question of whether a robot can really consent, too, is a big one, because if they're programmed to always say yes, 
Mm-hmm. We don't we don't really know what they really want because, you know, so that's another part that could be really confusing because, you know. Yes, that, that's what I feel like. I feel like you would be very confused after you did it and that it, you would have weird guilt or I think our human brains are not designed to handle our real hormones and emotions that get stimulated and source of self-identity that we associate with who we sleep with. I feel like and and maybe in the future we will all evolve past that and be totally cool and have wonderful revelations having sex with robots. That that could also happen. But for this first generation, I think too confusing. So like give it 50 years, maybe come back and ask me in 50 years. All right. That's my plan. I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Annalise. You've been listening to Decrypted, Ars Technica's podcast about all the television that we're obsessing about. I'm your host, Annalie Newitz, and I'll be here every week obsessing over Westworld until the season is over. So be here next week and we'll talk some more.